On this episode of the MedTech Business Academy podcast, we'll be reviewing the a recent study from Becker's Health uh, that took the study from Optum uh, that reviews the top challenges for healthcare leaders, uh, mostly on the provider side. So our panelists will be Barbara Strain, Scott Alexander, and myself, Skinner Dare. Welcome to the MedTech Business Academy. I think this is going to be a really interesting topic um, because it's not often that you get an insight into um, your customer's perspective on the world. And I think a lot of times we can get lost in like, I have my product or service, I have my company and and we get very sort of focused in on my own personal um, area of focus and we lose sight of what's going on with our customer. And um, marketing guy talking here, right? The best way to grow your business is to solve problems for your customers. And so, if we're solving the top project problems that that are challenges that our customers are having, then we're going to see our revenue go up, right? So, I don't know, Barbara Skender, somebody, do we want to walk through the first, you know, the top five or ten challenges that we're seeing? Yeah. So, so just to rephrase it and reframe it here, we're looking at. Um, the 150 healthcare leaders from the VP level all the way up to the CEO level um, from various healthcare providers, plans, uh, and life science organizations just across the entire spectrum of the healthcare industry. And their top challenges, as it was ranked in this survey, are, and we'll just read off a few of the top ones here, but number one is growth. 49% of leaders said that this is their top top priority. The number two is system modernization. That's 39% said that. Number three, workforce challenges. Number four, lowering the total cost of care. Five, data security. Uh, Five and six are really data generated and focused. Number seven comes out to financial sustainability. And then we've got a slew of others, everything from just incorporating technology to overall transparency of pricing, uh, regulatory policy, and then getting a finger on the pulse of consumer expectations. Some of these are obvious. Other ones are kind of less so. Mm -hmm. Looking at the list from top to bottom, for some of those things on the top, you really need the like the five, six, and seven around data and analytics and data security and things in order to make those other ones really work. So it's a, how do you prioritize? For our med tech audience, that's like looking inward at your own products or services and where do they align with those? So we'll talk about a few of those and some characteristics of them. So uh, keep your pencil sharpened mm-hmm. as we gonna go through those of what is my product, what's my service, and where can I affect those things? Yeah, you know the, the number one thing was was growth, right? And um, kind of the interesting things about that number one is um, it was only the top concern, or it was a, only a major concern or challenge for fifty percent of the people. Um, so good news, I guess for. The other people, I was actually thinking. Now, remember, this is probably this is probably a choose more than one type yeah, yeah, of yep, app, yeah. uh, 
answer. So it's not like only 75 people said growth. Yeah. Along those lines. Um, I was just thinking that those people that didn't say growth probably are not related to revenue. They're probably like back in the back, they're like medical affairs and stuff like that, where it's like, I don't really care. Like it doesn't bother me at all. Or please don't grow anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's their concern is actually, we don't want to grow, uh, is, the, is what's going on. But um, no, I think uh, all the kidding aside, as we think about growth and what it is and why a health system uh, leader would say that, and you know, Barbara and I have both been executives at uh, large, uh, extremely prestigious, uh, good-looking health systems. Um, I'll, here's here's the reality of what it is to manage a PNL inside a hospital system. Um, there's very low margins, right? So if you look at gross margins inside a um, uh, a med tech company, seventy percent gross margins is not unreasonable, right? Bottom line of fifteen to twenty-five percent uh, is is kind of normal. Um, the operating margins for your average health system is somewhere around two percent, and so they have a huge fixed cost basis that they have to work off of before they ever make a dollar. You know, they have all the buildings, they've got all the employees, they have all kinds of just fixed expenses that they have to figure out how they um, how they basically earn enough revenue to, to pay for that. And so that's one of the things I think a lot of folks miss is they've got their widget and they're they're talking to uh, uh, to a health system and they're talking about what their their product they're focused on that as opposed to what what a healthcare executive actually cares about which is what's the the positive financial impact of your product on my bottom line how's it going to help me treat more patients treat them in less time get better outcomes and uh which i would say from a financial perspective is really not a primary driver right there are other people that care about that but like if you're a finance person you're like, I just need to make sure that we're doing it in a cost-effective manner. So if you're thinking about how you can position yourself to drive growth, it really comes down to understanding that they need to grow to be able to be profitable um, because of all those fixed expenses. And you need to show them why adopting my widget or my service is going to be the thing that's going to help them get there. I mean, it, it, from a leadership standpoint, we all have three core type of focuses, right? Number one is, and I don't care what your business is, just fundamentally grow revenue, grow profits, become better operationally, right? Those are three core business tenants. And, you know, Scott, you said something just right there. If you're selling a product or service, you have to find a way to fit your product or service into one of those paradigms. And I think we kind of forget in this number one, you know, growth, from a provider perspective, I think in the med tech industry, we kind of lose sight that those hospitals are still a business and there's somebody at the top that's trying to think of how do I grow? How do I create more? How do I buy more buildings? How do I get more patients in my doors? How do I get more physicians to do more procedures, more profitable procedures, et cetera? That is a growth strategy. And ultimately, if you can align your service, your product to that, you are speaking their language. And I think all too often in med tech, we kind of lose sight that they are still a business and they're thinking about it from the same paradigm you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's two more parts to that is one, you have to understand to Skinder's point, taking it a little further, how are they planning on growing? 
Mm-hmm. You know, are they replacing a bunch of outdated equipment or are they onboarding new physicians to have new practice, to attract things? So you need to understand where are they growing? The second point, and, and I'm wearing a totally different hat in this conversation, is do they need to grow? Uh, because care has changed a lot, you know, and what if your product or service is best in a home setting or an outpatient setting? How are you going to butt up against that if their growth is really to the hospital? So there's a lot to figure out there in short order because there's not going to be like magical information out there that you can look up publicly to understand what's in their crystal ball. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I think growth is one thing. I think it, as we're recording this in August, late August of 2023, I think all of us probably would have thought in some way, shape or form that cost reduction would have been the immediate number two. And it's up there, right? It's number three, workforce challenges, lowering the cost of care, um, et cetera, et cetera, lowering the total cost of care. Um, but the number two thing was system modernization. Yeah. And when you think about that, how it potentially drives the number one, which was growth, right? We, we, I, I would have sworn that if somebody would have asked me, I would have been like, ah, cost and, and labor, supplies and labor probably be their number one and number two, growth, maybe number seven, uh, and modernization, number 15 in today's environment. Yeah. Right. And that is flipping that on its core. Now, one thing, though, modernization, if they haven't done any or barely or they haven't did the uptake on what they did buy modernization wise, Mm -hmm. they're behind. And I think that became very evident to a lot of uh, systems during COVID because they couldn't or move the way they wanted to. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, my goodness, I didn't do this really well. Here's where I have to go and spend money and modernize. But what choices do I make? Because there's two million. So so many options and and not a massive pot of cash that's just sitting around. Like, Mm -hmm. again, I think um, having played on both sides of of the fence, I'm working for MedTech and then for providers, I think the MedTech folks tend to think that a large health system just has like cash sitting around, like just large you know, buckets of money that you walk past. And um, and that doesn't that's not real. Right. Like their their operating margins are dramatically lower than yours are. And so I think it it really comes down to whether it's modernization, whether it's lowering total cost of care, you know, those kinds of things require investment. And it comes back to like, how are you, how are you talking to a health system on not just the clinical aspects of it? Sorry, my voice is starting to go. Um, not just clinical aspects, but also the financial and the operational considerations. Because those are the things that have grown in importance is this idea of, I have a widget. It does a great job of taking care of patients. But oh, by the way, I've spent the time to think about your business model and how I can help you be more profitable, and how I can help you streamline your operations. Um, I'll say, uh, were y'all surprised that lowering the total cost of care was 
was not number one, number two? Not really. It's a mixed bag out there because they know fee for service. And that's one of the quickest ways that they can earn dollars back Mm -hmm. by being what some people would call like a surgical or procedural hospital. Let's get those things through those patients. Let's add on and stuff because that stuff went right. But if you're strategically thinking and you're looking at all these other things on here, you should have that vertical in your plan as a CEO and build on that and shift and shift when you can, but it's not like turning a switch. Yeah. If if I was surveyed, lowering total cost of care would be probably my number one. Um, and and just because if you think about it again, for every dollar I'm spending 98 cents on costs, what's the best way to improve your bottom line? Take costs out of the system, right? Because if you get a 2% margin, I have to grow the top on $50 to get $1 worth of value to the bottom line. Can I instead go find a dollar somewhere in the um, in my cost structure to, to replicate that, to get that same kind of benefit? And, and I describe that um, because one thing that I think people need to hear is the idea of like just layering costs on, like, hey, it's just a little bit more. Like that we used to, when I when I was back at uh at ROI, like we would shoot that stuff down as quickly as we could because it basically just means that you're trying to take my two percent to 1.9 mm-hmm. as opposed to actually doing the due diligence to figure out how does our technology actually improve your cost structure, you know, sink somewhere. And and that's that's a that's a next level conversation. Um yeah. And it's not it's not rocket science to get to it. You just actually have to do the work to get there. So, well, I, I mean, the system modernization standpoint implies that you have to make a big investment, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'll speak for my own organization. We are looking at as a currently functioning organization, you rely so much on software and yep. systems and less hardware today than you did, but still, all those software programs and all the things, and and it's not like everything is just a cheap type of way to subscribe. No, there are massive investments that you have to make in software system overhaul. So if you're trying to modernize as a system, whether it be scheduling software, whether it be EMRs, something that speaks to an EMR, whatever it may be, there's a massive investment that goes with that. But at the same token, you're hoping to get a return off of that, some some level of efficiency that comes with it. And I think that's why it goes to, you know, really the number three thing moderately. I mean, when you look at this list, number two, system modernization is 39%. The difference between that and number seven at financial sustainability at 31%, we're, we're, we're relatively, the third of the audience is saying, hey, these two to seven are yeah. top top impacts for us, right? And so it goes everything from data and system. And when you look at that, if you look at this list, if this list was generated in 2010, again, different world, pre-COVID and all that, but with data and and system modernization have even been an answer? No. Get an EMR? Like... Spend a billion dollars with Epic, like that's, right. that's probably going to be like number three or four on that list. 
And that probably would have been in 2010 when the government really subsidized it. Yeah, right. Yep. Right. Because what people are have done over the past years is not really invested in the upgrades and mm-hmm. training and maximizing the systems they currently have, which they could have been doing that. I know talking to at least three or four colleagues in the provider arena, they did a lot of things really well in systemization and they made it through COVID a, a little bit better than other folks. So it's, you know, you need to keep up with things and don't say no to some lower costs a few years ago, because right now those are huge costs to try to get to where you need to be. So if you're the head of sales or marketing uh, or CEO of a medical device company, what do you do with this data that that Becker's just published? Well, I think you kind of go along the lines of where um, both you and Skinder were headed. I think of the word value. If if you've listened to podcasts, webinars, read things, value is like every other word, where it might have been used selectively before, but now it's taken a big forefront. And so on the supplier side, it's really truly matching what you know the value of your product or service to what that either growth or system modernization or workforce, you can attack almost all of these things in a way that will be attractive to providers. When you say value, do you mean value-based payments or do you mean like- Value across the board, however it it is. Now, people think, oh, she must mean value-based care. Not necessarily, but anything with a value in front of it, right? There's so many different ways to look at it. And it's not all value-based care because obviously number four total cost of care is what I always kind of go to as value-based care. But there are, like I said, too many levers that you have to push just right in order to make that work. Like on the CEO side of an organization provider side, it's making sure, how do I actually pay physicians? How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I shift staff or shift you know, strategies and various things? So um, for a med tech, company, it's sharpening your value prop, but making sure that you're not just doing it for you, you're doing it for all those others. And you're able to be flexible about how does that work, depending on that provider uh, situation of these one through 18 that we have here. So so let's maybe take that a step, step deeper. Let's say that I'm, I run a company, I got to, you know, I'm in the spine space. And I've just heard the esteemed Barbara Strain say, you need to go and basically build out the value of what you're doing. What do I do? Like, what's the first thing that I do on Monday to, to do that or walk closer to that? The, the first thing you do is you really want to make sure that you're as updated as possible on what the industry is really doing. Hmm. Are they doing those procedures that you've now painstakingly over the last three to five years produce the spine widget that's going to 
revolutionize hopefully everything, but it's going to cost so much because now you've invested so much in doing all of that. Is that even a, a large percentage of procedures done in a provider organization you're going to go address? If that is such a small percent and they're going to have to expend a lot of their funds in order to onboard that, but they're only going to attract, I don't know, uh, 50 more customers a year or something, is that worth the return on investment? Yeah. Uh, As I look at this list, right, and I'm going to read between the lines of roughly 18 different things that are on here. My reading between the lines tells me these healthcare leaders are telling us that they're going to invest in efficiency. Mm-hmm. They yep. want efficiency. And so if I'm that, 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 that spinal startup organization, et cetera, I have to showcase a way to create some level of efficiency, efficiency in throughput, efficiency in procedural cases, efficiency in costing, right? That's all they're saying, right? They, they want to invest in data and analytic insight, new technology, emerging technology. They're saying, we're going to still put money to use, even in these difficult times where, you know, on a billion dollars, I only have $20 million to reinvest on all that. But they're going to put that $20 million to use. So you've got to find a way to match that to some level of efficiency. Does your product provide feedback and information? Can it lower the amount of of people in a procedure? Can it turn over the room faster? Stop talking. I mean, we we do love to talk about all those things. You know, I mean, I I love hearing some some people say, ah, well, we allow them to do exactly 1.2 more procedures per day. Really? How, how? How do you know that? Mm-hmm. What, what are you timing that on? Yeah, yeah. It um, it's it's always surprising to me how um, how little people pay attention to like to what their customers really want. And um, you know, Barbara, you're talking about sort of procedural volumes and that sort of thing. I, I'm always surprised by the number of people that don't invest in like definitive healthcare or uh, Med Scout or Acuity MD or these kinds of things where you can get down to like what are the procedure volumes that are happening in that area? Like mm-hmm. that's a, that's gold, baby. Like, yep. but, but to the, the point that you're making, Skinner is like, Hey, what if, what if we could actually get down into, we're going to help you make 1.2 procedures more. And here's how we're going to go about doing it. Um, that, and here's how we're going to go about doing it is the piece that I would certainly back when I was at, at Mercy, I would, you'd have my attention because um, right. most people don't actually do that. No. They just quote the number, 1.2 procedures more. And they've got one answer that's ready for the for the initial question that they expect. Oh, okay, what? But it's usually a frankly, it's a BS answer. Right. right? And if and if God forbid you ask them a secondary or tertiary question off of that, you know, they've spun off their axle. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that's a really great direction because uh I've interviewed all these different, you know, definitives and all these people that have this data and stuff. And it's not for the faint of heart what they quote you, but right. your return on investment for that initial, uh, you know, uh, dollars that you spend as a med tech company mm-hmm. can reap rewards, but you have to understand how to ask for the data 
what you're really looking for, and then how do you interpret it? Yeah. Because people can just take a number and go, well, it said right here in this report that it was X, Y, Z. But what did that really mean? So you don't just sign up and then, you know, the money just starts coming. It's you've got to know how to interpret it. Well, it's an investment, right? Yeah. I I mean, investments require some level of work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether that be, you know, studying, checking things out, finding, doing some research, et cetera. You know, if it was just, if it was just, oh, put the money in the coin slot and you'll get back three coins in return, you know, everybody would do it. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's where a med tech company could invest in not only the tools, like what you mentioned, but if they already have the tools, they need to invest in a couple of people who can actually be their data whisperers, right? That they are feeding them the proper information, knowing what's going on in their company. And then how can we be flexible and maneuver using the data? Yep. So yeah, interesting data that's coming out of, uh, out of Becker's in terms of what executives are looking for. And it sounds like there's a, there's some things that you can do with it, right? Take that data, use it to inform your, your positioning and, and your marketing, but um, as you know, how you talk to folks, but anything else, what are, what are a couple of final thoughts to, uh, I just realized it took over. Sorry, Skinder. I realized you were hosting. Uh, I've never, we all know, I don't, I don't shy away from just taking over a conversation. Um, so I guess, do you want to give us as uh, as a host, do you want first word or last word? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take the first word. Fire uh, away, baby. We yeah. are a, we are we're all good. We're an oligarchy, I guess. Everybody, we are. Yeah. Everybody's a cabal of yes uh, of leaders. Um, yeah, I would just say to our med med tech leaders out there, you know, if if our customers are looking to put money into efficiency and put it to work, well, then therefore, so should you. Um, find ways to do things differently and invest in things that can yield much better results. It's one thing. And and I talked to a lot of uh, companies and they're like, oh, we, uh, we're investing in this new tool and this new machine. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah. That's a very upstream thing. And you better have your supply chain, supply chain oriented. But if your entire investment model is based on, we're going to buy new tooling, new machinery to make more widgets, you haven't thought about creating yourself efficiency down the road. And maybe you should make an equal investment from the tooling and the machinery and the manufacturing into some of the aspects that are going to yield results from a sales and marketing and customer relations and experience standpoint. Yeah, taking off a little bit on that and and looking at the list, and I'm looking at emerging technology and new market disruptors that providers are thinking of. But on the other hand, MedTech needs to disrupt their own organization. They can't just be doing the same things or uh, relying on reports that they've always gotten when there are so many choices out there. So do some homework, do some RFIs, really look at how can I disrupt my own internal data intel and how I'm really looking at this and and really structuring how I'm going to use that in the sales force to the best of my ability to to find compatibility with the providers. I 
we'll just go back to the article and I think uh, the name of the game is growth and efficiency. Kind of to your point, Skender is like, hey, how do I help? How do I help my customers be more successful this time next year because of the partnership they have with me? Um, and and understand that and be able to articulate that to two or three levels down from what you're normally asked to do. Um, to me, that's the name of the game. And I think the companies that do that and spend the time to really think through that are the ones that are going to be winning on the back end of what we're going through right now. Well, good. Well, this has been a great conversation uh, with the esteemed Barbara Strain, the handsome Skinner Darity, and the questionable Scott Alexander. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks to the listeners for joining us and um, looking forward to having you join us for the next episode as well. So thanks so much and have a great day. You too. Thank you, everybody.